And now, from the Room 111 Studios, it's the Retired Teacher Coach Podcast with James Sternovan. Hey there, listener. Welcome back to the Retired Teacher Coach Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In my last year in a high school classroom, I taught 150 students each day. (laughs) That was 150 interactions with kids whom I loved. I also interacted daily with a slew of treasured colleagues, many of whom I considered and still consider dear friends. And that's the problem with retirement. All of those favorable interactions are wiped out. When teachers retire, it's imperative that they rebuild this shattered sense of belonging. And this, dear listener, is where Bronwyn Workman makes a dramatic appearance. Bronwyn retired from education in 2005. But over the past 16 years, she has done a remarkable job building a sense of community. I love this interview. It's an important interview. She talks about how she did it. She talks about how she rebuilt this sense of belonging. And then she also goes into, and I love this part, how it's benefited her. Make sure to check out the What You Can Do About It section. That's where you'll find Bronwyn's solutions bullet-pointed, and there'll be some helpful links added on. In the meantime, just sit back and listen to this inspirational woman and speculate on how you can emulate what she's done. I help retired educators make awesome health and lifestyle choices. My name is James Sturdivant. I taught high school for 34 years. I'm over 60. I'm in great shape, and I feel fantastic. I would love for you to take my coaching on a free 21-day test drive. Just navigate over to the retiredteachercoach.com and sign up. It's time for you to reclaim your vitality. So here we are in the Room 111 studios, and I've been bragging about how sunny it is in Ohio over the last few days. Well, that all changed. <laughs> so now it's, Because you bragged. That's right. So now we're looking at, you know, 40s and gray skies. Yes. And, and I'm here with a dear friend. Her name is Bromwin Workman. Say hello, Bromwin. Hello. I'm uh, happy to be here. Well, I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this. It's, we, we do it all the time, so we, we, might, we, we might as well just record it. We've <laughs> had many, many philosophical dis- discussions and, and, subject, and subject others to it. <laughs> but you have a choice. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Listener, you have a choice to listen. And so, I mean, I am so, this is such an important topic for retired educators, so important. So I want to dive in quickly. I do need to give some background, though, and I put every guest on the spot. And it's it's really (laughs) uncomfortable for every one of them. So Brahman Workman, how would you describe yourself on a dating app? Well, first of all, I would say, and I hope I'm correct in saying this, I'm a young 70. Very much so. Um, I would have to add that I love spending time with family and friends. Yeah. And I enjoy adventures despite the fact 
that I have anxiety disease. I've struggled with it since I was a child, but I like challenging myself and, and getting beyond those and experiencing new adventures. So I'd have to add that for sure. Put that caveat in, put, put it right out there, right? Yeah, yep, I always do. I used to hide the fact that I was anxious and now as a 30 plus year friend of mine, you know, I simply admit it. Yeah. This makes me anxious. I need to find my coping skills. But despite all that, I don't like to give into them. I like to experience new adventures. And again, you would know that up close and personal. You yeah. take me on many of those adventures. Drag you Keep sometimes. kicking and screaming. <laughs> and I guess I would have to say that um, I'm active and personable. Right. Now, I'm going to make you feel good, all right? Okay. By all means. <laughs> put put your picture on the, on the dating app because no one will believe you're 70 years old. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I think you're buttering me up for the questions. That's that right. That's right. So, okay. So, we got you on this dating app where yes. you are being transparent. Yes. And you're talking about some things that you uh, enjoy mm-hmm. and that are important to you. Yes. So what's our connection? Well, um, my husband was a principal for mm-hmm. many years at a high school, and he was, um, well, he actually hired both you right. and your wife, Penny. Right. So the friendship really started there. Right. Between or among you, Penny, and my husband. Then, not too long after that, we began to see each other as couples, mm-hmm. and I don't know, because there is an age difference between the two couples. Our children are at different stages of their lives. In fact, when we first got together with you, you didn't have children. We did. Now, wait a minute. We did have children. Oh, I'm sorry. You had Jason. Yeah. I'm sorry. You absolutely did. Uh-huh. But... Again, I guess I'm stressing the fact that we weren't exactly in the same uh-huh. space and time. And yet, I don't know, we clicked. Yeah. Uh, you started planning uh, mystery <laughs> day trips that, that were bizarre, but very enjoyable. <laughs> and we went through many trying times uh, <clears throat> that we as couples and as individuals experienced. And we just, the friendship blossomed. And now we are, what, four houses apart in yes. the same neighborhood. Yes. We see each other several times a week, just casually walk the court. We enjoy probably too many bourbon nights. Yes, yes. And very, gonna, I'm going to talk about this. Okay. And very deep conversations, or at least we feel that they're deep. Right. Um, and our one-day adventures have blossomed into week-long plus adventures and they are absolutely fabulous we've had some wonderful experiences together i'm going to talk about this but i want to i want to say something that's really interesting um i read this book and i think brahman you read it too about denmark yes (laughs) how to hygge and it's like this concept of you know, people in Denmark are pretty darn happy. Yes. And this is how they do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's in that book is the importance of having a small group of friends. And then doing things with this small group of friends. And we have that with you and your husband, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Now, we've known each other for, gosh, I was doing the math almost 30 years, something like yes. that. 
So one thing that's kind of interesting in your statement, I thought this was interesting. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, Chuck is 75. Mm -hmm. You are 70. Yes. I am 60. My wife is 59. Mm -hmm. Now, those age differences were greater. You know, like you're a math teacher. Yes. They were were significantly more... uh, Gosh, help me out here. There was a greater difference. Yeah, at at that point. So, so they've narrowed some because we're starting to have more and more similar experiences. My wife is going to retire this year. Mm -hmm. So we're all in the same daggone boat. But finally, (laughs) finally, we will all be retired. But let me lay something on on the audience here, and and I I don't want to go too far. So I want to get into the topic. But but what we do as a group of four people is we frequently go on either day trips around the state of Ohio, Mm -hmm. or we go off to Santa Fe, New Mexico, or Portland, Oregon, or uh, British Columbia, or Annapolis, Maryland, or uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And we do these together as a couple, and it's magical. It it is magical. it always stretches me because I'm just mm-hmm. about anxious. I'm anxious about just about everything. But it gives us a commonality. Right. I mean, when we get together, we have a history. We have a strong, rich history. Uh-huh. Um, so in addition to philosophizing, yeah. to chatting about everyday events, to trying to solve the world's problems, we also reminisce. Yes. And, and like you said... Uh, Getting to the top of Old Rag Mountain, oh, seeing the wow. clouds yeah. come in across Mount Mitchell. Yeah, uh, my hand being held as you led me into Mammoth Cave. I mean, <laughs> all of these things. Yeah, uh, bind us together, uh, really, unbelievably strongly. And we don't go sit on a daggone beach. No, we no. we we go to a beach. Like in Oregon. Yes. And then we climb Mount Neocana and look down on the beach. Yes. Yes. So, so we're, always, we're always walking. We're always walking. We're always walking. We're always, I mean. Typically uphill. Yeah. <laughs> Worse to the pity, but yes. Typically uphill. But I, um, I also, in addition to always walking, yeah. always doing, I think we are also mindful of what we're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm all about that. Thanks well, to you. I hope that I contribute to that. But it's not just getting somewhere. It's uh-huh. it's it sounds so trite, but it is the journey. Well, listen, you're gonna you're gonna have a great prompt at the end of our interview to promote mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So if any time you want to talk about that, you're gonna have your opportunity. Okay. Okay. Now, Alrighty. how long you been retired? I retired in 2005. So, so a while, time. Yeah, yeah, six sixteen years. Yeah, yep, it's gone by very quickly. I, it, so thirty one years <clears throat> as a math teacher in high school, correct? All but six. My first six were at middle school, and then I did go to the high school. Okay, yes. fine. Mm-hmm. Every retired educator goes through a transition. Yes. Describe yours. Well, mine might have been different, sadly, than some. Uh, my last week of school, that Monday, my father-in-law passed away. Mm-hmm. That Friday, 
my father passed away. Right. So I had to leave during that week. So, you know, the closure that sometimes you seek, saying goodbye to colleagues, cleaning out your desk drawer, passing the torch to another colleague, those things uh, sort of were, you know, interrupted in a very sad way. So that last week of my retirement, I spent um, mourning the loss of these two wonderful men. Uh And so immediately I went from being a teacher uh, to being a retired teacher. And then I was forced, uh, I happily helped my mother-in-law transition from being someone who was married over 50 years to someone who had to downsize, sell her home, move to an apartment where she could live more comfortably and safely. Uh, that I did, and my mother-in-law and I live close, we live close together. My mother, on the other hand, lives a state away, so I could give her my support, but fortunately my sister was in the same town and she did some of that for my mom. But I never really had time to sit and say, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what right, happened? Right, right. I just lost the identity I had for 31 years, or one of them, as a math teacher. I was immediately thrust into, I need to be a supportive and helpful daughter and daughter-in-law. And it, it was a year and a half process to do all of this with my mother-in-law. And of course, the mourning of these two women, and both of them handled it with with gusto. Right. Um, it, it, it was a longer process, but really I never had much time to sit, just sit and look around and say, oh, what was me? Now what am I gonna do? I'll bet you that that experience is common, particularly it, among women, because women take care of people. Yes. And so all of a sudden yes. you're dealing with all these students and now you're dealing with significant family responsibilities. Oh, yes, yes. And might I add that once those two women were sort of settled into mm-hmm. their new lives, their new reality, then we had a daughter, a pregnant daughter, move in with her dog. Uh, <laughs> always the dog. <laughs> yes, always the dog comes along. Uh, and live with us throughout most of her pregnancy until her son was uh, 15 months old. So, I mean, I sort of no sooner um, resolved in a way one family crisis uh, until we were sort of thrust right into another. Happily, this one ended in the birth of a, of a treasured grandson, but still uh, stressful, time-consuming. At, at any point during these uh, obligations, did you, did you reflect Wow, I'm I'm sure you did. I'm glad I'm not teaching, so I have the freedom to really devote myself to these. Almost daily. Yeah. Almost daily, because when I taught, I, th- I threw myself into my yeah. teaching position, and, and maybe a little bit more than I needed to, but that's, that's the kind of person I was. So I couldn't imagine, in my wildest imagination, how I could handle all of these responsibilities on top of okay. being the kind of teacher I wanted to be. So, that, yeah. that does not surprise me. So now we're going to transition. Okay. And this is where, you know, I, I think your story is going to resonate with a lot of folks because I, I do think they have similar situations. But at some point, you said, 
or you thought or you acted, okay, now I need to replace some of that social interaction. Mm -hmm. Now I need to start doing again. So talk about that transition. If you can remember, like, you know, was there a, a eureka moment or was there a process? I don't know that there was a eureka moment. I did notice at some point when all the dust settled, when my daughter moved, mm -hmm. and then I did look around and I thought, oh my God. So that's when it hit you. Yeah. There's there's no one in this house for me to care for. Yeah. There's no dog. There's no little baby. I don't have to help my daughter in any way. Uh, oh, you know. And there's about a hundred students every day. I know. My mother and mother-in-law are settled. Oh, God. Now what do I do? Yeah. I don't want to spend my days cleaning our house. Yeah. So I think over the course of time, several things happened. Number one, and this may sound funny, but I became a gardener. I yeah. realized we have a lovely property. I love being outside. I love the physical activity. I love growing flowers. So, so I, I started to nurture our yard. Then I realized I had not nurtured friendships of my own for decades because I sat on bleachers and benches and on fields and my friends were the parents of the kids who were on the same team, yeah, did the same activities as my children. And well, that was great, it really was. Once the kids are gone, now those friends tend to disperse. And so I thought, what about the friends I used to have that mm -hmm. were my friends? And so I began to reach out to them and okay. say, hey, wanna take a walk? Yeah. Wanna go out to lunch? You know, I'm not a shopper, so I never suggested that. but. Little by little, I began to reestablish what I would call my old friends, my friends that I had before my life became so full of being a mother and a wife and a teacher and yeah. a daughter, yeah. la, 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 la. And so that was another sort of phase that I went through. And and then, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's in my nature or what, but... Again, you look, you reach out beyond yourself, beyond your family, and I began to see that there were other people who needed my help. Interesting. They were sick and needed temporary help. They were moving and needed help because they were overwhelmed with the organization of it. And so I, when I saw a need, I would offer, and that would be, you know, like a temporary quote-unquote job. I would help them through whatever it was that was giving them that was challenging them. And then, um, uh, so I guess you would call this a process. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I was walking with a good friend and she said, you know, uh, I've, I've been reading an article, I saw an article about a charity in Westerville and um, they make blankets for foster children. Maybe we ought to go check it out. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, that's a good idea. And so with that, we decided we would go to one of their <laughs> opening during the week. And uh, we either, even though both of us are not sewers, we learned to crochet, we can organize like themes, and we became very involved in this charity um, whose mission is to make and donate blankets to foster children. And what's it called? 
is called uh, My Very Own Blanket. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to stop you here. So you went in there. It sounds like you felt comfortable pretty quickly. We did. Because there were many wonderful women working there. A diverse group of women. And they welcomed us. I mean... Any, okay, I was going to ask, why did you feel comfortable? Well, they welcomed us. Uh -huh. uh, in most volunteer organizations, you will find that if you go to volunteer, they're going to embrace you. Because guess what? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> they, always need, they always need volunteers. And so, you know, even though the purpose, the reason we're there is really pretty tragic, that, mm -hmm. that there are so many children in foster care, and we're making blankets, comfort blankets to give them. Setting that aside, it became really something we look forward to yeah. every Wednesday I was evening. Ask you that. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because these friendships, we learned more and more about all of the women. And, you know, this gal was sending her only child off to college. And, oh my gosh, you know, so how that, could she wake up the next day? And so there's work, but in the midst of the work, there's lots of camaraderie. Absolutely. And support and mm -hmm. laughter right. and uh, affection, all of that. And we just, for several years, were very loyal to this, this group. And, and again, as in most volunteer organizations, I'm assuming, the same group of volunteers end up going the same time because that's their free time. They don't work or whatever. Let and, me ask. Let me ask you this. I'm, I, yeah. I I cut you off and I apologize no, for that. That's but, fine. but I'm really thinking about this because we always do this. To each other. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a teacher, I had a group of friends that I ate lunch with every day. Mm -hmm. And our policy was you were not allowed to talk about school. Okay. So we would go in there and we would talk about football and we would talk about a funny television show we watched and we would complain about our wives. <laughs> That's those were our three topics of conversation. <laughs> Perfectly safe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I really miss that. Oh, yeah. Now, did you have something similar when you were teaching and does this experience at my very own blanket remind you of that i did have similar experience at school you ate at the same time just like you know you're locked into a schedule so you see mm -hmm. the same people and we did become friends in the same way you you hear about their babysitting woes you hear about they don't have time to get ready for christmas you know a parent is sick or something so i did miss that did, did, did you did you put that connection together like this is kind of replacing that I don't think I did at the time, actually. Mm -hmm. I think I just sort of, it's one of those things that, that evolves so gradually that all of a sudden then you look at it and you think, oh my gosh, I have a bunch of dear friends. That's cool. <laughs> and I walked in and they were complete strangers other than the friend, you know, I walked in with. So that that's sort of, I guess, going back to your original question, all of these things that helped me transition, some of them happened to me mm -hmm. the deaths of my father and father-in-law our daughter you know needing a, a safe haven during a pregnancy friends needing help outside of the family but then i guess some i actually then pursued on my own the gardening the the mm -hmm. looking up of old friends and the 
the nurturing of those friendships and then walking into my very own blanket and saying, hey, this is an investment. How long have you been doing the, the blanket? In one way or another, probably eight years. That's incredible. Now, here's the thing with volunteering. Volunteering organizations go through volunteers quickly because people get tired of doing it. Yes. Yeah. Or there's disagreements among. Oh, yeah. Or there's drama. <laughs> <laughs> drama, drama. So in other words, you're, you're, uh, you find this organization, you're doing it for a while, but a you know, many people are like, yeah, it was fun. The novelty kind of wore off. Now mm-hmm. I'm not doing it so much anymore. Talk about what it's like to volunteer. And, and you know, there's got to be times you're like, do I really want to keep doing this? I mean, you got to be thinking that too. Talk about some of those uh, issues. Okay. Um, well, at some point uh, in, in this, with this particular organization, this group of women who always showed up, uh-huh. Wednesday evenings, we began to be just a little bit disillusioned with the direction. Sure. Um, uh, we felt that, unfortunately, Central Ohio had an enormous need for comfort blankets. And some of the blankets that we were making and distributing were going all over the United States. And not that there isn't a great need all over our United States, but we just felt very strongly that that why look elsewhere when in our own neighborhoods and communities there's such a, a dire need. So there were other changes going on uh, within that charity and it, it just sort of came to us that maybe we wanted to branch off and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Most of these women had mm-hmm. their own sewing machines. We, you know, we were well versed. We had the equipment. We could do this on our own. And so, uh, on September 13th, 2017, we, okay. we met for breakfast. Yeah. We talked about it. We said, hey, yeah, we could meet at each other's homes. Let's give this a try. Let's keep the donations within Central Ohio. And lo and behold, <laughs> that's what we did. And almost every Wednesday, with the exception of very few yeah. in all these years, we have met in one of the members' homes. There are... Uh, and it's changed because of people moving away and stuff, but we've had between a dozen and 15 women. Wow. Now, now this is powerful because you were in a volunteer organization. You were unhappy with aspects of this organization. Right. So you created your own thing. We did. We even named ourselves. Right. Tell them the name. The name Rogue Blanketeers yeah. because we, we decided we'd gone rogue. <laughs> kind of like the uh, colonists in 1775. Without the violence. That, that's us. Yeah, no, no violence. And I, and I do want to add, this: the original charity that brought us all together is still doing yeah. wonderful, wonderful work. So, you know, not to malign them in any way. Yeah. But we just felt that um, we, we just wanted to redirect things a little bit. And like I said, we had no idea. We were sort of anxious about doing this because you're going from meeting at an established charity <clears throat> that has a building and resources to, okay, now we'll just meet in each other's homes and we will self-fund. Okay, now that's that's interesting. Now, would you say that the key is the social bond? 
that you women have? I would say that's absolutely the key. Okay, so here's the thing. If you, uh, listener, are interested in volunteering, don't get too upset if it isn't a magical experience initially. Learn, and then perhaps you can create a situation like Brahman did. That's really powerful. Well, I, this is going to sound, I'm sure, braggadocious, but I'm, I'm very proud of us. Yeah. Because it does take a strong commitment to your mission. Yeah. Number one. And we all feel very strongly yeah. about providing a child that's displaced and in a crisis situation with something that's comforting. And in our case, it's a blanket uh, that's got a stuffed animal or some book rolled up inside. That's that's our mission. So you mentioned the strong bond among us women. That That is also something that keeps us together. So it's two-pronged. Yeah. It's this... Uh, devotion to our mission mm-hmm. and and now it's it's really our ties to each other that's amazing and i and i have to interrupt because I, i've been doing a lot of research on the blue zones are you familiar with the blue zones no not they're areas of the world where people live to be a hundred years old more than anywhere else in the world oh, so there, there's like those, four yeah. or five of them around mm-hmm. around the world and one thing that they find in these places is exactly what you're saying. This small group of like-minded people who get together on a regular basis is a commonality among centenarians. So you you are doing, like, obviously this charitable thing, but you are benefiting from it so immensely. And we sometimes say to each other, we rogues, yeah. that we feel kind of guilty uh-huh. because we are making blankets for children who undeservedly are in terrible situations. Yeah. And yet we look forward to seeing each other. Sure. So we wonder, you know, oh, is this enjoyment and is this uh, enrichment that we have really, you know, we, we, we just feel guilty for it for experiencing that. I want to I want to go back to something that you said about the blue zones. Yeah. I'm going to put in a plug from my mother. My mother lives a state away. Yeah. And she's going to be 97 in March. Yeah. She's going to make it. Yeah. She is a member of our rogue blanketeers. I did not know that. Oh, yes. She makes blankets for us. Uh, I take her materials when I visit. Uh, she will make these beautiful blankets when I go back to visit the next time. I pick them up, bring them back. She lives in central Ohio, uh, central Pennsylvania. And although there are many deserving children there, and I have encouraged her, mm-hmm. let's donate the blankets there. She, she's a, she's reason, a role she, model for all of us. Oh, yeah. She yeah. feels strongly about getting him back to Ohio. But I'm, I'm plugging her because... Yeah. This is her blue, she's a blue zone in she and is. of herself. Yeah. She has found, That's she wakes a, up with purpose. Yeah. She has a close group of friends, but also her ties to us. Yeah. So I just no that, add that that's to, what, I, to fit in She there. was going to come up at some point. I knew she was. Mm-hmm. And, and she is the role model for all four of us. Yes, I would say. We, we look at her and we think, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to live that long and live that life. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Now, you know, 
let, let me just ask you this question because I have volunteered and, yes. pe- and petered out. Really liked it for a while and then petered out. Mm-hmm. How do you stay volunteering? How, how do you keep doing it? I mean, obviously, I think I think it's obvious from the from the things that you've said. Yes, the bonding and all. But there still has to be times. Ah, I'm not getting paid for this. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like doing this on Wednesday night. There's got to be times. They, I again, being totally honest, I personally have not had a lot of those. Right. Uh, there are some Wednesday nights. Have, have you had many group members drop out? We have had some women, I would say half a dozen, who have come for a meeting or two. Right. And then decided for whatever reason they could not uh-huh. maintain this, did not. This sounds, was not them. I mean, every, it sounds like AA. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> but they just, you know, it, it didn't click for them or they discovered that in that time of their life, their children yeah. needed them more right. than they needed to be with us. And uh-huh. I and I get that because I went through that. I never would have been able to do this when I was a working uh, mother. So we have lost a few that way. But I have to say that most of us are, we are diehards. I, I went last that's evening. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. We've had women come. Uh, one of our members had open heart surgery. She missed several meetings, and then we picked her up because she couldn't drive yet. Brought her to the meeting. That's awesome. She, you know, would stay for a while, and then we would make sure she got home safely. It, like I said, there is a strong friendship. And something else that you said about um, your lunch group. Yeah. That you talked about certain things, and you agreed not to talk about school. Right. Okay. We sort of have an unwritten rule that we don't talk about politics. Thank goodness. Um, yes. Uh, I, I believe that most of us are like-minded, but even so, then then your energy, certainly uh. in recent years, would be so poured into discussing that and being upset that, that then you might not want to go to a meeting. Uh-huh. So we... We just do not discuss that at all. And and that's, that's and also great. religion. Uh, there's a you know, I think there's a Sex, wide... no problem. Yeah. We have we have <laughs> talked about that. But you know, you we respect each other's um, vulnerabilities uh-huh. and and we respect the fact that we can have different opinions and still meet with this common strong mission of mm-hmm. helping a child. And so most of the time, I am happy to go. Even we went one one time on a winter night, and the temperature was like minus five. It was cold. It was awful. We all went, and we were met at the door by the hostess with a steaming mug of wow. hot chocolate. So I mean, it. I cannot believe. It must be divine intervention. I say sometimes that my dear father who's been gone for so many years, has a hand in some of this. I know that sure. sounds corny, but honestly, how did this friend and I get to my very own blanket? How did we meet up with this group of women? How did we decide to break up on our own? I mean, and again, I just wanted to say that since 2017, we have made and donated over 4,000 blankets. That's amazing. And that's, that's a lot. That's that's a lot. And I, and I say that, just to to 
exemplify the devotion these women have. And what's the potential for a listener to do something like this? Absolutely. I would say find find your purpose. Mm-hmm. What, what is it you feel strongly about? Uh, for me, who spent 31 years in classrooms of, yeah. you know, saw 100 students every day for 31 years and have children of my own and now many, many grandchildren. Clearly, I am child oriented. Mm -hmm. And so this makes sense for me. But whatever floats your boat, turns you on, whatever Mm -hmm. corny phrase you can think of, explore that. Okay. Okay. I love what you're saying. And I'm going to ask you a question. I think that will really get you to think. Okay. I want you to envision a situation where this ends, where you no longer have it. Mm-hmm. Talk about what that would mean for you. I'd be bereft. Yes. For two reasons. Yeah. Number one, the hundreds of children who benefit from these blankets. Thousands. Yeah, thousands. <laughs> and, and the organizations. We have established relationships with many organizations mm-hmm. uh, within central Ohio who get calls regularly from me. Mm-hmm. Do you need blankets? Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, so I would be bereft for them and selfishly, very selfishly, I'd be bereft for myself mm-hmm. because uh, when you retire, you lose your identity in, in a, in a Big heartbeat. Time. Big time. Boom, you leave your classroom. Now you're, you're a retired teacher. You're not a teacher. You're a retired teacher. So I would be losing another identity as well. Okay, so one thing I also want to say is this started because an offhand comment on a walk. Yes. Okay, now that's number one. Yes. So you said you, you were uh, imploring the audience to, you know, find some things that they're passionate about. Yes. Or just be open-minded. You might, somebody might dump an idea on you, and you might be like, ah, what the hell, I'll give yeah. it a try. Okay. Why not? And then number number two, the one thing you said that I thought was interesting is the first thing you said about that experience was we felt welcome. Mm-hmm. So maybe another path would be talk to some people you like and see what they're doing and just give it a try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of this, uh, being a volunteer, getting involved in a volunteer activity, Mm -hmm. it requires energy. It does. You have to, and I'm not talking about the actual energy to, to, to participate. It takes energy to find what, what is your passion? Mm-hmm. What, what is your mission? What can you do week after week after week? And very seldom mm-hmm. ever say, oh, don't want to go. Right. I don't want to make this blanket. Don't want to make this delivery. That takes energy. And like you said, I think that's, a, that's an excellent point And one that I kind of uh, didn't even add. Be open-minded. I don't sew. Mm-hmm. So why in the world was I going to, <laughs> you know, a charity that makes blankets? Well, you know what? I went. I realized, hey, there's other ways of making a blanket. I learned how to crochet. I learned there were other things within our small organization, the Rogues. Uh, I have become the outreach person. Sure. I have become the storage person, the organizer, the deliverer. Uh, all of would, these I bet Brawling was a class officer in elementary school. <laughs> Weren't you? I was. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, here's I'm one. I'm sort of bossy. Here, so, but here, I'm saying 
even if it doesn't at first blush think that it's a match, mm-hmm. like you said, what have you got to lose? It's fine if you try something once. Yes. It's okay. You don't feel negatively toward those women who came to your no to a meeting and saw, decided it wasn't for them. No. Don't no. feel like you have to do this. If no. you get involved in a volunteer organization, you're not being paid for this. You do not have to feel like In fact, it's costing me quite a bit of oh, money. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. This might be a good time to say that, and I, I didn't include this because it was short-lived, but it, it, it does make sense now in this context. Prior to getting involved with my very own blanket and then the rogues, uh, this same friend and I on another walk decided, hey, let's try Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. We went through the safety course. Yeah. We went one time. Yeah. And I decided, you know what? Not for me. I admire these people. They, mm-hmm. they do wondrous work, but I it's just not for me. Yeah. Did I feel badly about that? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. You I, should. I, I thought, I, I this is such a wonderful cause. Why can't yeah. I get get involved? And I but then I let it go because anyone if you look around this world, you don't need to look further than your local community. There's so many needs. I'm so I'm so glad that you uh, you included that story. I think that's important. Yeah, I, it didn't. It was not a fit for me. That's that. It's not anything wrong with me, and it certainly has nothing to do with that wonderful charity. It's just I wasn't good at hammering. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the last question, but it's an awesome question. <laughs> so Brahma and I, we like to try things. Yes. We like, we, like, we like to try things. Kicking and screaming I do, but yeah. I do. And so one thing that Bromwin Workman is passionate about is something that 20 years ago she would have thought was kind of hokey. Yes, absolutely. And that's mindfulness. Yes. So one question I like to ask guests is, is how you maintain your vitality. Go. Do, do, do the mindfulness commercial. Okay. Well... Actually, and I think this was probably maybe four years ago or so, you might remember, mm-hmm. we were sitting right over there in our family room having one of our bourbon nights and philosophical discussions. Bourbon night and Ted Lasso. That, that's our combination. <laughs> yeah, a good one. But this was before Ted Lasso, but not mm-hmm. before bourbon. You mentioned Headspace, mm-hmm. and you were trying at the time, and... And you know about my anxiety history. And so you said, I'm just going to download that on your phone. And, and you walked across the room, you downloaded it on my phone, and that was that. Mm-hmm. So I tried it. And for several years, I did it in fits and starts. I, I like a lot of things that I do. I, oh, I'm, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mindful. And that's my mindfulness history and still is. Okay. Fits and starts. Fits and starts. And I'd be dedicated for... A month or so and then fall off the wagon for whatever reason so truthfully now that I look back on it I couldn't talk about the benefits of it because I didn't engage with it long enough mm-hmm. I, it really wasn't benefiting me because I didn't give it a chance to well over two years ago mm-hmm. I woke up one day I was feeling bad I mean often I wake up in the morning full of anxieties about everything and I thought this This can't go on. This is not a way to live my life. I'm going to give Andy Puttacomb, the Mm -hmm. founder, one of the founders of Headspace, a chance again. And this time, I'm going to devote myself 
to it. I'm going to do it every day and I'm going to do it for a long stretch. I don't remember that I consciously said, I'm going to do it a month. I'm going to do it six months. I don't think I did that. And now over two and a half years later, I have meditated every day without fail on our trips. Yeah. Every, you know, sometimes it's only for five minutes. Sometimes it's for 10, sometimes it's for 15, but Pardon? Tell them the count. Tell them the day count. Oh, uh, today it was 813 days in a row. You're closing on a thousand days. Yes. And somebody, Penny said to me, do you count those every day? No, the the app does. I don't. Wow. I don't. It just, after I meditate, uh, the, the meditations that I use are daily meditations. This particular app, and I can't speak highly enough about this yeah. app. It has many, many different aspects I'm, I'm, to I'm, it. There'll be a link on the episode page. Good, then I don't need to go through it because the link would do a much better job. But one the one of the things that I take advantage of on this app is the daily meditation. And Andy will talk for at most two minutes about mindfulness, about approaching your life, about acceptance of yourself. I mean, every day's lesson is different. And it's a mini lesson. It's two minutes mm-hmm. at the most. And then he gently leads you into your meditation. And I choose a 10 minute meditation. I, I That to me is enough for me to yeah, sure. get the benefit of it uh, without getting restless because yeah. Andy would be the first one to say you do. Yeah. And it's, it's, and here's the beauty of it for me. I spent years being a perfectionist, still am in some cases. That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic and it adds to my anxieties. I am perfectly willing and comfortable with not being a perfectionist at meditation because that's part of it. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect at it. One day you can be perfectly crappy at it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You sat down and you were, you made every attempt to be mindful and you're going to benefit from the experience. And I have to say that I have and I have tried to encourage others to. That's, that was really a, a cool statement you made. I have made every intention to be mindfulness, but I'm still benefiting from it. That, that's a great way to approach it. Oh, yeah. I, I benefit from it every day. Mm-hmm. If someone said, well, you know, have you perfected it? Oh, absolutely <laughs> no. not. I never will. Excellent. So in your retirement, Brahman, you have found community and learned to get along with yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, now, and when you put it like that, I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> That's right. You should be. Hey, I'll tell you what. Listen to Bronwyn and use her as a mentor because this woman really enjoys retirement. I do. I do. I, I enjoyed teaching. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I found great fulfillment in doing that. I taught my own children, which was uh, an added benefit. But... I, I was, when I retired, it was time for me to retire. Yeah. And I have found my retirement years to be very special. Yes. And, and that attitude that you have is one of the healthiest things you can do. Talk diet, talk exercise. Your outlook is what's going to get you to that blue zone. Yeah, I believe it. All right, man. Thanks to your friend. <laughs> You're welcome. So here we are in the what you can do about it section. Blue zones are small pockets of longevity situated in diverse places on the globe. 
Those who reside in these pockets have a vastly better chance to live to 100. Those who study blue zones point to a resident's sense of belonging as essential to their longevity. Perhaps a retired educator can replace the sense of belonging that they used to get each day at school with volunteering. It's a path absolutely worth exploring. Here's what Bromwin Workman suggests. Wait for the right time to explore volunteering. Remember, right after she retired, she had elder parents that were in desperate need of help, and that was her priority. Then her daughter needed help. That was her priority. It took a little while for this loss of belonging to sink in for Bromwin. Next, investigate opportunities with your passions and interests. So, you know, if you were a English teacher, maybe there's an adult literacy program that needs your help. But Bronwyn's next idea is interesting. You need to be open-minded about opportunities. She couldn't sew. On a lark, she went to that first meeting and, and, and started sewing blankets. It's not something she would have done. It's not something that she would have found on her own. So by being open-minded and going to this event, it just opened up a whole new world. She would encourage you to evaluate each opportunity. And, and this is an important one because remember, she tried Habitat for Humanity and it wasn't for her. There's no, there's no shame in that. There's no problem with that. Don't be afraid to create your own thing. This is what, <laughs> that's what I love so much about Bronwyn's message is, you know, she, she thought that it could be done in a more beneficial way. So her and her comrades created a whole new thing. And boy, is that a wonderful detour. <laughs> Don't feel obligated. In other words, you know, like, like do it for a season in your life. Maybe there comes a point where you get busy with other things or people need you or whatever. That's fine. And finally, Brahman is a healthy young woman at age 70. And she attributes that to her mindfulness practice, which she talked about in the episode. And there's a link on the episode page to the Headspace app. It's a great thing to do. So go check that out. After you retire, it's up to you to rebuild a sense of belonging. Consider volunteering. Sure, you'll help others, but you may just make it to 100 years old because of it. And like always, keep reclaiming your vitality. Thanks for listening, and please visit us at theretiredteachercoach.com. Listen to every episode of the Retired Teacher Coach podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Goodbye for now.